0: The IRA, the Irish Republican Army, had planted a bomb six or seven feet under my bed in the cupboard of the room underneath me. So I was kind of sitting on it.
1: Harvey Thomas was sound asleep when that bomb went off.
0: I was in the top floor of the hotel, so I went right up through the roof of the hotel, down three floors, and my body caught on a steel girder about um, it was sticking out just below the fifth floor.
1: And that may not be the most amazing part of Harvey's story.
2: I am with
1: Harvey Thomas is our guest on this episode of GPS, God,
3: People, Stories.
1: I'm Jim Kirkland.
3: And I'm Phil Fleischman. Harvey Thomas was serving as British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher's press secretary when that deadly bombing happened. He's going to tell us more about all of that. And you'll also hear from Billy Graham with a word about the Northern Ireland conflict.
2: And I don't care whether you're Catholic or Protestant or who you are, what you are, God loves you.
3: If you'd like to know more about God's love for you, visit us at this website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net.
0: GPS.
3: God.
1: People.
0: Stories.
3: We begin Harvey Thomas's story not
1: with his time with a British prime minister, but his time with a ministry, specifically the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association.
0: I had the opportunity of working uh, in the Billy Graham-Manchester Crusade in 1961, uh, organising sound landline relays, and I ended up uh, working as a Crusade director with the Billy Graham team in 100-odd countries for 15 years. Uh, so I was uh, directing Crusades in Australia and Germany and oh, you name it, everywhere, and then taking part in Crusades here, training counsellors in Tokyo, all over the world.
1: Within a year or so of leaving the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, Harvey was returning to Europe after having been away from home for a while. His flight took him through the West African nation of Senegal. Uh, This
0: was in 1977, and um, I got out at 3 o'clock in the morning. I was about the only person getting off the Lufthansa flight. No electricity in the airport, and two passport officials who were very tall, very big, and they had a good laugh when they took my passport and shined a torch on it. And I said, What's so funny? And they said, Well, it says Great Britain on here. Britain isn't great anymore. So I thought, Oh dear, I haven't been living there for a while. So I went back to Britain.
3: The political party running the government when Harvey returned was the Labour Party, and Harvey did not like the way they were doing things.
0: And so I went to the Conservative headquarters and said, Look, If you give me a small honorarium, what can I do for the next six months or so and do a bit of work? And they said, well, what do you do? So I showed them a picture of the Billy Graham Wembley Stadium rally with 103,000 people and everything in there. And I said, well, basically that and everything, everything connected to it in public relations.
3: So the Conservative Party asked Harvey what role he'd like to play in Margaret Thatcher's upcoming run for prime minister, her first run for the office.
0: I said, well, who actually sets up and runs the leaders' tour and arranges all press facilities, stage facilities, lighting, audiovisual, sound, crowd control, everything? To which the reply was, in 1978, this was, oh, there's nearly always someone who's got a microphone.
1: Harvey had his work cut out for him. And he'd use a lot of what he learned working with Billy Graham to bring more organization and structure to Margaret Thatcher's campaign. They're changes that are still felt in British politics today.
0: I set up Margaret Thatcher's 1979 election tour, and we did, we arranged five big rallies, and then we had, um, we did it all properly as professional setup, you know, and then we had all these uh, drop-in-by-helicopter scheduled meetings everywhere, all the photo ops, moving the press around, all the logistics of everything, and it was terribly straightforward. I mean, after after Billy Graham crusade,
1: it was very straightforward. Margaret Thatcher won that 1979 election, and she remained the British Prime Minister until 1990. Harvey Thomas served as her press secretary the
0: entire time. I worked with her on speech writing, all the productions, did three election tours for her, um, and uh, was with her right till the time she resigned.
3: During her 11 years in office, Margaret Thatcher steered Great Britain through a lot of political turmoil. One of the biggest issues facing the British government was Northern Ireland.
1: You see, Catholics in Northern Ireland wanted the region to be free from British rule, but Protestants didn't. While efforts were made to reach a political solution, there were factions on both sides that resorted to violence, and one of them was the Irish Republican Army.
3: The IRA was fighting for independence for Northern Ireland, but it carried out terrorist attacks in other parts of Great
0: Britain, too. Well, in 1984, uh, we had a party conference in a town called Brighton, which is in the southern coast of the United Kingdom, about 50 miles south of London. And as the director of communications, I was the director of the conference. And uh, so we, Mrs. T and I had started to rehearse her speech on the Thursday night. This big speech was on Friday when the prime minister made the speech. And so on the Thursday night, we'd been rehearsing from seven o'clock to about 11 o'clock, something like that. And uh, then 11 o'clock, she said, oh, I've got to go to all the balls, the dances for the last night of the conference. Um, Harvey, you go and get some sleep and I'll probably call you again about 2.30 a.m. ...and we maybe do some work, fun work on the streets... ...because these rehearsals were rewriting the last bits... ...getting the tone right, getting the punctuation right... ...getting the pauses right, getting everything right.
1: Harvey did go back to his hotel room and fall asleep. But it wasn't a phone call from Margaret Thatcher
0: that woke him up. The IRA, the Irish Republican Army... ...had planted a bomb six or seven feet under my bed... ...in the, in the cupboard of the room underneath me. So I was kind of sitting on it. I was in the top floor of the hotel... So I went right up through the roof of the hotel down three floors and my body caught on a steel girder about um, it was sticking out just below the fifth floor and the fireman told me that ten tons of rubble fell on top of me and buried me. So uh, all this happened at five to three in the morning. I am
1: One of the most amazing parts of Harvey's story is that he wasn't seriously injured. He didn't even have a broken bone. The blast, though, did kill five people and wounded about 30 others. Margaret Thatcher and her husband narrowly escaped injury. Their bathroom was badly damaged, but the rest of their suite, untouched.
3: Harvey's grateful that his wife Marley's wasn't with him. She was back home, nine months pregnant with their first child. Harvey remembers what he was thinking as he was catapulted out of the building and as he fell onto that steel girder.
0: So I remember saying to the Lord, um, if I've got any sins left unconfessed, do you mind taking them as red?" Because I haven't got a lot of time right now to go into detail. Uh, And then I crashed down and all this rubble came on top of me. Now, I had no doubt at all I was going to die. Absolutely none whatsoever. Um, And that was fine. Because uh, I'd given my heart to Christ when I was a young boy. I knew where I was going. I knew I was going to be with the Lord in that split second. That's why what was worrying me was Marlies, who was nine and a bit months pregnant, and no husband for Marlies and no daddy for the baby. And that was what I was praying for.
3: It took rescuers about two hours to dig Harvey out of the rubble. And being the consummate PR man, Harvey took reporters' questions when he emerged from the debris.
0: The BBC man was doing an interview. But of course, I, my eyes had been molded shut under wet rubble like this for, for, for three or four hours. All I could see was this bright light shining straight in my face. I didn't realize there were 27 other television cameras standing behind this guy, all filming. So he asked me all the questions, and he asked me, he said, what do you think about the terrorists who put the bomb there? I said, well, if we'd been a little more, uh, little more effective with our proclamation of the gospel and getting Jesus Christ known, there wouldn't be so many terrorists. The terrorist who planted the bomb
1: that almost killed Harvey was a man named Patrick McGee. Harvey didn't think much about Patrick until 14 years later, when Harvey was teaching at a church reconciliation
0: conference. The subject of his session was forgiveness. I said to this audience, they were quite a big group there, about 1,500 in the, in the church. And so I said, you know, it strikes me as I'm saying this, I'm preaching on forgiveness, but I have never written to the man who put the bomb there, who in the meantime, his name is Patrick McGee had been caught a year later, sentenced to eight life sentences, and was in jail for the rest of his life. Um, uh, So I said, it occurs to me, I've never said to him, I forgive you. I said, but I'm now going to do so because God's speaking to my heart here. I really have to do this.
2: Won't you wake up my heart, wake up my heart for you, for you.
1: Harvey wrote the letter telling Patrick that he forgave
0: him. Got a very good letter back from him. He's a doctor of philosophy. He's not not some kind of hoodlum. Uh, Very educated man. Very quiet, gentle man.
3: That was in 1998 that Harvey and Patrick first exchanged letters. Two years later, the British government released more than 400 Northern Irish prisoners. Patrick McGee was one of them.
0: He had served 15 years uh, for uh, five murders and three attempted murders, uh, one of which was me. And and, um, they released him. And uh, so I wrote again to say I'd like to meet up at some point. And uh, the prison passed the letter on. I got a letter back saying, okay, I'd be prepared to do that. So I went to Dublin with a friend who knew both of both of us and uh, went into her house. We sat and we talked for four or five hours. And um, he couldn't understand why I would suddenly say, I forgive you. I said, well, it's because I finally did what I should have done a long time ago. The Lord says forgive and and." So I did.
3: Not only has Harvey forgiven Patrick, or Pat, as he calls him, but the two men and Harvey's wife and two daughters are all friends.
0: He struggles to make a living. He, he works in peace movements. He's not yet come to Christ. I keep praying that he will. Um, but uh, we keep, I spoke to him 10 days ago, so we keep in regular touch. He, he described himself as um, an agnostic, lapsed Catholic. Uh-huh. Um, last time Malice was with him, uh, he said, you know, I went into a church last week. He said, not to worship, just to go in and have a look around. Yes. But um, we keep praying for him.
1: Is there someone you know who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior yet? Is there someone you need to forgive? Or maybe you're the one who doesn't know Christ. Whatever the situation, we can offer some help. It's at our website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net.
3: In just a minute, Harvey has a little more to say about forgiving the Brighton bomber, Patrick McGee. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories. A podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association.
2: And I don't care whether you're Catholic or Protestant or who you are, what you are, God loves you. Billy
3: Graham, speaking to a group of business and religious leaders in Belfast, Northern Ireland in 1972.
2: I took a walk down Falls Road on Sunday, and then we crossed the peace line, and in between those two roads we knelt down and prayed and I could look in one direction and I could see a Catholic cross and I could look in the other and see the steeple of a Presbyterian church and see a cross. And I thought about that cross 2,000 years ago where Jesus Christ died. And the reason he died is because God took your rebellion and your sin and mine and laid them on him. He took the judgment and the hell I deserved. God wants you and me to believe and to trust in His Son and to live for His Son. Jesus Himself said, except you become as a little child and be converted, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven.
3: You can hear the rest of that message at the Billy Graham Audio Archives, which is online at billygramradio.org. Search for Belfast 1972. Now back to the hosts of GPS, Jim Kirkland and Phil Fleischman. Harvey Thomas and his wife Marley's have two daughters. Their oldest Leah was born just five days after the Brighton bombing. Their youngest is named Lonnie. All of them have forgiven Patrick McGee for nearly killing Harvey.
0: Leah and Lonnie and Marley's and I were sitting around the table with him in our kitchen, and Lonnie suddenly says to him, "Pat," says, "You do realize, if you'd succeed in killing Daddy, I wouldn't be here." And he was in tears. He said he can't understand it. Just because of my faith, he says, Uh, you can forgive like that. Uh, He's actually, I like him. Of course, I disagree completely with what he did.
1: If you'd like to know more about forgiveness, whether it's God forgiving you for something you did or you forgiving other people, visit us
3: at findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. Harvey Thomas has been our guest on this episode of GPS, and what a guest he has been. We thank him for sharing his time with us, and we thank you for the same. We also want to thank the Afters for the use of some of their music. I'm Phil Fleischman. And I'm Jim Kirkland. Quick
1: question before we go. Do you own a Amazon or Google smart speaker? If you do, did you know that you can listen to GPS on your smart speaker? Either ask Alexa to open or Google to play GPS, God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news.